Okay, so welcome everybody to Leadership, the Future and Tea. And our special guest today is Laurie Niles Hoffman. Uh, Laurie, welcome. How are you? I'm very well. Really pleased to be here. Thank you. Thank you. We're delighted to have you on board. And I'm joined awesome. by Ian Moffat as well. How are you doing, Ian? Doing great. Hello, everyone. So um, for our listeners out there, I just want to uh, give the little sort of big up to uh, to Laurie here. So bear with me on this. So Laurie is a senior leading uh, learning strategist with over 20 years of L&D experience across many industries, including international banking, management, consulting and marketing. Laurie's specialisation is large scale digital learning transformations. She's passionate about l- helping companies navigate through the ambiguity of change and act as a trusted advisor to CLOs around the world. Finally, Laurie is the author of Data Driven Learning Design, which is available on our website to download. And as always, we're going to post all of the links at the bottom of the show notes for you all. Laurie, it's great to have you here. Brilliant to have you on. Wow, what a CV. Yeah, that's not bad, (laughs) though, is it? Yeah, that's awesome. I try. I try. (laughs) <laughs> uh, listen we gen- genuinely uh, we're delighted to have such an expert with us um and as always right we just want to learn from you we we make no bones about this uh i keep telling people i get out of bed every morning and my honestly i want to go to bed every night having learned at least one thing okay so um there we go as i said i've read your uh your book and we're going to talk about that in a minute and i've definitely already learned something from that but we'll talk later okay so so laurie i, I want to hand the floor over to you and uh you know, as we've just discussed, uh, we just want to have a chat. So first of all, start us off by telling us about uh, who is your leadership role model and why? So it's it's hard to pick one. Um, I would say uh, pre-COVID, because I think we have to look at it this way. The, yep. the role model that I really, really appreciated uh, is a gentleman by the name of Steve Woods, and he's the chief technology officer for Eloqua. And he grew that from a startup, him and his, uh, his business partner, Paul Tashima, they grew this uh, into from a startup all the way up into being uh, IPO and then being bought by Oracle for a billion. Wow. It was an incredible wow. story. Wow. And why I consider him the model of leadership and still do, um, he took the moment to connect with every single person who came along that journey. Yeah. If you saw him, you would never know that he was the CTO of this massive organization. <laughs> he had this presence and this way of speaking, and he wasn't afraid to um, get his roll up his sleeves and just get coding because he loved it. And I loved that that passion in him and that ability to yeah. just to straddle, um, you know, all all layers and to do it with with grace and and uh, dignity. And uh, and one story about him that I remember is when they went for IPO, he went down onto the call center floor and he wrote a personal check as a interest free loan for anyone who could not afford to buy in. And, oh, wow, really? and I just think, wow, that's amazing. Because he realized to somebody who's you know, maybe at the time earning 40K, this was a barrier to entry. And he was like, no, yeah. you're all part of this journey. Wow. So oh, huge amount, a huge amount of respect for him. And then I'd say, you know, during COVID is I've been really impressed. Um, I think like many people with uh, Yacinda um, Ahern. And, oh, uh, that's right. Yes, I think she's really demonstrated strong leadership and, and, and empathy and in a very composed and, and rational way. And so I've been very, very impressed with her. You know, that's that's amazing. I, I'm just going to focus on Jacinda there for a minute, because um, Ian, we, we've done so You've many of these podcasts this so many now. times about that lady. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we have. But not just me as well. Right? There's, yeah. there's others. This is awesome. time, yeah, it's the same thing. So we, we share the same view on that. Can you just tell me about the first gentleman again? His name was Steve Steve Woods. Steve Woods, yes. Steve Woods, um, and and that was a, a lovely story. I love the, the the story about the IPO, about really stepping up and actually offering people that support. 
that's such powerful leadership. I mean, that's that's an incredible little case study right there. So my next my next kind of follow on from that is is actually what about what, what do you look for as the traits of leadership? Because I think you've just nailed a few right there and then anyway. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to, to, to leadership, and I even thought this before COVID, uh, to me, a, a great leader has empathy. Um, they're able to uh, adapt or put themselves in the position of the people they lead. And I yeah. think any leader who cannot do that is doing a disservice because at that point they're not leading, they're forcing. And yeah. they, they need to, to have that ability to, to project that, the, you know, and understand those feelings. I also really look too to ethics. I, mm. I you know a lot of people will say, you know, you, you need to, you know, be underhanded to get to the top. And I completely disagree. I have seen Correct. so many people that I respect who've made it to the top, who have made the tough decisions and yep. who've done things because it was the right thing to do. Um, and I have a huge amount of respect for them. Um, and then the final one is actually malleability. And the reason I look to that is I, I, I really am impressed by leaders who have adapted and shifted their style and evolved, uh, maybe mm. shifted, but evolved as circumstances have changed or as they've moved between organizations. They haven't just brought their, their you know, standard leadership is this, 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 sure. Sure. their principles, but they're able to, again, have that sense of empathy and shape shift into being the leader that that team needs. They're not leading for the leader's sake, they're leading for the team. Yeah, yeah that's Ian, right. Ian, we talk about uh, adaptability as a key leadership yeah. trait quite often, don't we? Absolutely um, right. Uh, yeah. We've discussed that several times on this podcast, haven't we? And and, and I think the key thing is as well, um, you've got the the adaptability piece. So you've got to be able to adapt yourself first and foremost, haven't you? Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to. So that's changing your whole mindset. That's being able to move with with those particular um, things. Um, yeah. I, I just wanted to go back to that moment when you were describing because that we're humans right there's so much technology out there but what we sometimes forget about those really key points that you remember forever are where a leader or any member of the team really does something that's like superhuman that that total belief in being able to write that check to say i'm going to bridge this so that you can be part of what that's I amazing that is it's going to stay with you forever right Absolutely. so so it's a it's a it's that capacity Empathy is really, really important. I absolutely, but it's that capacity to create those incredibly meaningful human moments as well. They're the ones that really stick out, you know. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and when you when you do those actions, you are leading by example, and people will replicate that. They will emulate that, and that that gets into a whole value set that you start to see happening. And again, yeah. and all of us have taken who were had the pleasure of working under Steve have taken that forward in other ways in our careers. So it spreads. Yeah, now that's awesome. I've got to. I've got to ask. I feel like I've got to ask you a bit of a boring question now. After all that, that was fantastic. Um, but, but just to get us kind of a bit back on point around around the, the area of learning and development, which is incredibly broad. I know. But what what are the kind of global changes you're seeing? Which have some of the things that were emerging and maybe stopped, or some of the things that have accelerated because of COVID. Now, what mm -hmm. what are those sort of major shifts you're seeing right now? Right. So when COVID first hit, a lot of organizations went into a panic and said, everything needs to be digital. So every piece of learning, every piece of content. So if you were somebody who was like a virtual, virtual, uh, virtual classroom specialist or an instructional designer, you were, I mean, it was just raining for you. You were great. Yeah, <laughs> you, you were, it was just everybody was like convert everything. And what we quickly realized, and, and actually our advice to our clients was don't convert anything right now. Mm -hmm. No. And the reason why is we said, look, first of all, 
you're going to need to understand what you need to convert. People are in chaos. Pushing out a three-day leadership course in a virtual classroom yeah. is not going to help anybody right now. A stressed brain, I'm not a neuroscientist, but we do know that a stressed brain does not retain information. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it was the first couple of months, everybody's just trying to figure everything out. So stop. Yeah. We said, don't do any of that. Then what you need to look at is, okay, a lot of people started to say, well, people have time for learning. Let's push out learning to them, right? And we're like, good idea, but... We also have to you know, consider the fact that we don't want people to come back in six months and they're all going to expect a, a pay grade increase because they've taken right. 80 hours of leadership <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly now they think they're leaders, right? So what yeah. we want to be doing, and this is what we've been working with our clients on, is saying, okay, what are your skill gaps right now? What is HR struggling to fill? What do you need to do? Okay, once you know those gaps, now you need to curate some content around that and push those to people to see if you can spark curiosity to start being very strategic about what you're trying to, to, to fill and accomplish. That's how a really savvy learning organization or department within a company is going to help propel that team forward. Sure. We're also seeing a shift though where L&D is being cut. It's considered a call center and yep. it's one of the first things that is that is going. And of course, I disagree with that vehemently. Um, but this is also the time too where LD, we, we, we started our conversation. LD has not kept up. And maybe there are some areas that do need to be right sized. And we need to start thinking the, you know, differently about what LD actually is to an organization. Because I firmly believe no matter what you are, even if you're operating a grocery store, just say, if you say do not have training on proper use of PPE and you know new security mm -hmm. protocols, yep. That could sink your organization. So yeah. leadership really has to be clear about how they're using their L&D department effectively. And that's probably, too, the other thing I see is C-suite really doesn't know how to use L&D as the strategic advisor it could be. Oh, and right. Rogers yeah. L&D doesn't know how it can be that strategic advisor. It goes both <laughs> ways. I'm going to say it goes both ways. So. Yes, go right ahead. I'm just going to jump in, right? I just want to take you back just a couple of minutes and, and just to where you were talking about doing effectively the learning needs analysis about yes. what people actually then need to go out, curate, deliver, etc. Do you think that people have actually quite cracked how to do that accurately yet? No, no. And there, 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 there's still a ton of vanity projects out there, and they tend to look at very much so soft skills. They're fun, you know, and we, we feel like we need to do them. I'm a firm believer that if there isn't evidence of need, there is yeah. no need. Okay, yeah. and that evidence of need really needs to needs to be something concrete, where it's a KPI that you are going to shift. And yeah. that has to be yeah. for every single project that that you do, and and if we're not doing that, we're we're, mm. we're just we're not helping, right? I love so, it. Yeah, I love the fact that these vanity projects that people actually go out and and uh, support and deliver. And uh, I hope that people are really listening to that because you know you know yourself if you're leading that vanity project that really has little to no value. But for some reason, and I don't know why, actually it gives you a tick in a box for a CV. I don't know. Please stop doing it. <laughs> it's it's a it's a slow slow death of the soul, isn't it? Really, <laughs> just to be a little bleak for a second, but it's uh, it's 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 sad to be part of that. Really, uh, just just something that's kind of it's like it's, it's scratching away at the back of my head, and and I know some organisations are ex exceptional about this, and some are not so great about this, but who's really excelling at that? Because you know, the manager, if you think about the manager's role, 
with you know the decentralization of hr and yeah. and various things being moved who's who do you think's doing a really fantastic job of of giving the right tools in terms of reskilling and training to managers because that that's often where we see projects fail when we try and roll out you know automation of processes so so interesting thing there one of the organizations I, I unfortunately can't name but they're doing a pilot project that i think is brilliant where they're tearing apart the whole manager idea that the barrier to promotion is to have people reporting into you yeah so yeah. they're looking at the notion of okay um that's typically where people fall apart in their careers and that's yeah. typically where people leave your company because they don't feel that they have the adequate leaders so they're yeah. letting the leaders lead but they, they, and then they have people managers, completely different skills. So they groom the people manager skill set separately. So it's it's quite it's quite okay. an interesting interesting yeah, concept. Yeah. So you have a you would have a dual reporting relationship almost. Yeah. You have you know the, your brilliant engineer or your brilliant yeah. manager, whatever, um, and then you have a people manager who's actually working with you on your career and your growth opportunities, and and that's a separate skill set. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah. I've I've seen I've seen a few other places talk about that. There's and I and I worked at one place where we, we genuinely sat down and had that very discussion of do you have a a let's call it a people manager that does people manager stuff like a return to work interview when you've come back after sickness. They do all that kind of stuff, right? Right. And, and then you effectively have project leads, which then actually look after the technical delivery of work. <laughs> and um, it never got off the ground. So uh, l l let's keep in contact, Laurie, because I'd love <laughs> I'd love in a few months time, if you do get to the point of being able to route that case study and come and talk to us again about it. Yeah. I think that that would be a whole other podcast that we could talk about how that worked out for those people. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to. Yeah, hey, awesome. no problem. No problem. Well, well listen, uh, I, I know that you do a lot of writing already, and that's why I kind of mentioned that just to bring us onto your blog. And I've been, again, sat there reading your blog with interest over the last few days. And you've got some great things in there. And uh, I just want to throw this one in because I want people to go and read this, right? But I want you to kind of expand a little bit. You talk about junk science and logo parades. And I just <laughs> I just love those words because, it, it, again, it should make people think about what and why. Can you please just give us a little flavor as to what you mean? Yeah, nice. yeah. Well, I often said too that the blog. It's interesting when I started writing that. I said it was my it was my excuse for not having a three p.m. martini. Um, I could <laughs> say whatever I wanted to to, to say. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. We I see a lot of ed tech vendors. I see a lot of. Um, you know, a lot of these 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 SaaS companies and whatnot that are going mm -hmm. into and trying to sell, and rightfully so. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that the ones that have the big marketing budgets um, yep. are not necessarily the best products. And a yep. lot of things that they're promising, they can never deliver against. Yeah. Right. And that makes me very upset because I'm a firm believer that at the end of the day, especially even more so now, at the end of the day, at the other side of the screen, there's a person who has to stay relevant or be made redundant. That's a fact. Right. Yep. So we have an obligation to get it right. And I get very upset when I see companies who come in with, we did this study and, you know, we took these 40 employees and we did yep. MRI imaging and we can prove our learning works. Well, it sounds very, you know, science-y and they give percentages. Every time I see a whole bunch of percentages, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and you start to rip it apart and you start to realize that all that is is content marketing and it's doing such a disservice yeah. and yeah. it's not, yeah. it's not helping. Same yeah. with the logo parade, you know, when people come in and they say, we've worked with all these clients. Okay. Have you, 
do they still have your product? Was That's it a right. Product? Um, yeah. How far did you get? What was the client satisfaction? Can I talk to them? Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a huge thing. And I get everybody's trying to, you know, I, I'm not having a go at marketers or you know what we're trying to accomplish, but I think there has to be a, an obligation to honesty with some of yeah. this. And um, we, we can't bamboozle people into these solutions because we're talking for these ed tech transformations. These are two, three year type projects. And yeah. you've got to be careful what you're sold. I love it. Yeah. And uh, so please, everybody, Junk Science Logo Parades. There's a fantastic blog article on there from Laurie. Please go and read more about that in depth. Um, one of the, I'll just tell you very briefly, Laurie, about one logo parade that I've, I've sort of flashed into my brain when I read your article is that I was speaking to um, HRD and they had an opportunity to effectively have a, have a blank check to go out and buy a new HR SaaS. OK. And they sat there and they just did the thing of, I want to have a, uh, a big name on my CV, a big global name on my CV to say, I've done it, I've implemented it. And I sat there and, and, and this person was explaining this to me as if there was, this was just the complete right and normal answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I, at the end, we, we stood up and shook hands. I said, let me know how you get on and uh, walked away. And um, my heart breaks, right? Because if that's what, if that's what seriously gets people out of bed, then I'm afraid they're getting it wrong. Absolutely. And I, and I think we, we had a we had a, uh, a podcast recently and it was on this sort of subject of where where brands going and where trust is going. Right. <laughs> and, and everyone that's really informed now, there's this there's this secret, you know, force that's going on that isn't really secret force. It's a rebellion against those brands that, that you know, they're still telling lies. They're not living up yeah. to their promise to the market. Yeah. So, so I think I think community and network is going to be a really trusted um, entity, p probably post COVID, because right now people are, you know, they're really trusting governments right now because they're making, hopefully, making people feel safe. Yeah, uh, should we should wait and see. Just wanted to go back to earlier. Andy was talking about, and, and I, I I totally believe in it. This idea of just create some space. You know, learning is, you know, there's there's reflection time. It allows all that great stuff's gone down the subconscious to come up and you to sort of have, you know, moments of, you know, uh, synergy on, on things, a synthesis, instant ideas, that type of thing. And there's lots and lots of different um, learning tools out there, you know, which are not which are not traditional. So outside of some of those kind of exemplar stories you hear from the big tech giants, is is the now is the now more general adoption of of different mixes of of these sorts of more informal learning process or do you think um, we're still off some way off there's there is is more adoption but it's i i think it's it's the pendulum has just swung because of the state that we're in and i think it's going to readjust back what i'm a bit of advocate for is um so josh burson writes about learning in the flow of work Yep. And I'm an advocate of that to the extent, though, that we have to understand the flow of work. So yep. what do I mean by that? Right? If we remember, you know, Clippy coming up and, you know, <laughs> in Microsoft. Yeah, we hated that. It looks up. like you're writing a CV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm happy with that. Um, so when we talk about new technologies and, 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 and what people are using and what people are adopting, you're always going to have pockets of adoption. But if we're going to do something that's widespread, I have a firm believer it almost it needs to be invisible to, to, the, to the person. So, so, for example, if I said to you right now, and I mentioned Eloqua before, so you'll see where some of my influence comes from. If you talk to the average person and say, 
Do you know Marketo? Do you know HubSpot? Do you know Eloqua? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably don't or vaguely know them, but they don't yeah. realize they've been touched by that probably a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that to me is where learning is going to, to start to go. So it's not so much about adapting or adopting a new technology. It's going to be how does it fit seamlessly into somebody's every day. Now, the danger in that is, to your point, and which I completely agree, is we have to carve out time for learning. And so we, there are going to be moments where we need to make sure this is formal, that people have application, that people have those those things. And I see technology helping more on that side. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can do simulations where you can have that that practice. Um, but then I see in the more the informal and getting learning tech, getting learning into the, the, the hands, it's it's going to be seamless. You won't log into an LMS. It'll be a very, very seamless process. And it'll be taking data from your HR system, from your talent system, yeah, from yeah. Yeah, yeah. a variety of places and giving it to you like, oh, you've been taking Spanish. Um, you know, maybe you're going to do your time entry in Spanish. How about that? Want to give it a try? You know, so it's yeah. experiences. No, I love the idea of that. I like that. I think you uh, can I coin that invisible adoption? Is that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, like I've that. got a new term there, Ian. Invisible adoption. I'm going to write think, about that. You, are you going to TM that one, Andy? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't. I don't know if I'm going to be quick enough. Laurie might beat me to it. Keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> go, go right ahead. Go right ahead. No, I like. I like it. I like. I think yeah, it's, it's great. I, I, I like. The, I like the concept of invisible adoption, such that somebody actually starts using it and doesn't really realise that they've actually started using it because it's just there. They've not had to do anything difficult to to achieve that. My favourite one on that, when I first got my iPhone, first winter, um, and uh, I had to get tyres on the car, and it's five o'clock in the morning, so it's dark in the UK, and um, wife said, can you just write down what the tyre size were? So I went outside, and without realising, I switched the torch on, took a picture of the tyre, put it on a note, and emailed it to her. And I got in the car, and I was like, what has happened? How did Nobody showed me how to do it. Why didn't I get a paper? Well, I didn't have got a pen or a piece of paper yeah. or a torch, and it 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 comp it literally startled me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I liked about my iPhone when I got it, and again, I didn't realise it until literally I got to work, was when it actually told me that my car was parked ninety yards away, and that actually it would guide me back to it. Yes. I, I mean that's genius. That I would just so I, I've not asked it to do it. I've not thought about it. I've not asked somebody how to enable this. It just did it for me. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah. It's, yeah it's beautiful. Um, we, we mentioned uh, network earlier on and um, communities and things like that, Laurie. And, and again, I know that you're a big advocate of social media. OK, let's just turn our focus to that for a minute, if we can. And can you just tell people, uh, do, do you actively build your network or does it just evolve? I do actively build it um, and then and things will will evolve naturally out of that. But it is something that I, I, I am pretty um, I'm scientific about. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because uh, and I can speak about it now. There was a time where I was working at KPMG and uh, I wasn't allowed to have any social media presence. That's right. Yep. 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 Yeah. To turn everything off and yep. um, no blog, no nothing. And and I really felt like handcuffed, that I didn't have the relationships that I normally would have and be able to have the discussions that I would have. So once I, I resigned from there, much to my husband's horror without a job to go to, you know, and that was actually incidentally when I when I wrote the ebook is 
that's when I really started working on that social media uh, presence, not for me, but because of all the things I could learn. And so I would target the people that were were saying the things that that resonated with me and also to try to get out of uh, an L&D or even HR bubble. That was when I started to look a lot to other industries and how could I find leaders there and see what how they were problem solving and bring it into into my own uh, context. Um, so so that's it's 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 really been a labor of love and I, I yeah. highly encourage people to do it. I I'm actually not very um, social. I'm an introvert and so I don't you know, believe that. conferences for me. You know my business partner she she laughs because I'm like I'm at like eight o'clock. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> Social media is someplace I feel a lot more, a lot more comfortable. I can, you know, long yeah. write and blog. Um, but it, it, it is a very, it is a very useful tool, um, and I, I, I can't recommend it enough. We, we so, talk, Andy and I talk on. regularly about things like imposter syndrome, right? And, and, and Andy is a fantastic coach and mentor on this because I, I can remember the first time I was using uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, and I was like, oh, I really don't know what to do, and it feels, and it feels like I'm bragging. And I, and I thought, who am I to try and have an opinion on anything? It was, it was awful. Uh, and now it's second nature. You know, it's yeah. just a case of just you, you have to get into it. But it, it's um, it's funny, whereas going to a conference and just walking up to someone and doing an icebreaker and getting on with it, I was, I was really comfortable with that. And yet something <laughs> like social media, I was like, oh, I don't think I can do this. So we're, we're the exact opposite. <laughs> if someone told me to go and work the room, I'd be like, Okay. <laughs> I just, I just hope we get back to a world where we can work the room. We will. We will. We will. Definitely, we will. definitely, definitely happen. So, so, Laurie, in terms of um, some advice for people, um, I, I'm going to ask you for two pieces of advice. First of all, can you give people a, a piece of advice for social media? And second of all, can you give people a piece of advice who are leading their own business? Uh, and around the learning what, what are the two main things that you want to leave people with on that okay. so when it, when it comes to to social media um i'm a big believer you have to be your authentic self as much as you are comfortable giving Correct. don't try and take on a persona don't yeah. try and say what you think people want to hear and the yeah. reason for that is because one it's, you're not going to attract the jobs and opportunities that are suited to you you're just not because yeah. they they want to hire the persona and if that's not you yeah. it's not it's just not going yeah. not to work um, you know, also to protect some parts of yourself, you know, there's some things that, you know, you mm-hmm. do want to keep your personal to you. So you, you have to have that, um, that divide, but really that authenticity. And then the other part that I would say to them also is, you know, listen as much as you're, as you're writing, you know, um, yeah. you pay close attention. It's not all about you. And, and if somebody takes the time to make a comment, you reply. It's, Absolutely. It's courtesy, yeah. courtesy. I, I don't like yeah. leaders who, who post a whole bunch of stuff and then yeah. people give a long, elaborate answer and they don't even give it a like. And I find that yeah. there's, yeah. It, there's that is disappointing. It is disappointing. Even if you disagree, there's a polite yeah. way of saying it. You know, but you are there for that discourse. So it's a two-way yeah. conversation. And regarding your second question, um, if I can clarify, is that what uh, a, a, or a leader should be doing for L&D within their company? Or yeah. meaning, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll start off with what they shouldn't do. <laughs> I like it. Let's get to that point right now. Yeah. Don't 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 run out and buy a course library. Just don't do it. You know, it's gonna be it's it's a buffet. You're you're just gonna get, you know, a low nutritional content for everybody. All right. Yeah. So really be specific about what skills you have gaps in and get content aligned to those. So you're gonna be lean and mean. Courses are not the end all be all. So really, if you're going to have invest in some L&D, make sure that they are more like digital content writers so they can do, you know, quick, quick fire infographics, articles. Those you're going to get a lot more mileage out of than anything else. 
do not fall into the trap of you know purchasing a large bespoke managerial program or leadership program give the opportunities rather is what you want to do and have that culture come from top down when you've reached a certain size then yes you yeah. can go into those but those are very expensive for you know at, at the at the onset to, to, to get into um, you know and I think in terms of technology everybody's probably going to look to an LMS or an LXP right now yeah. but I would wait that out even for six months because we're already seeing Microsoft is going to integrate with teams and do learning capabilities. We already talked about the, you know, the invisible adoption and, you know, the technologies you're not going to see. I would wait for that um, and get by as much as you can uh, without without investing that because I just think there's so much. I advise a lot of vendors and there's so much ed tech that's going to, to emerge that you don't want to be wedded to something on a two to three year contract. Absolutely. So Interesting, if I've, if I've yeah. heard you correctly there, the, the advice to the leaders is uh, quality over quantity. Absolutely. 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 Like and, and my, my one last, I'm jumping in, but um, you go for it, please. Reverse mentoring. If I haven't mentioned that, I, right. was, I was trying to do that. Reverse mentoring is is huge. And I'm really trying to get um, our clients to get into that. So you have somebody with you know who's just new to the market mentoring somebody who is more experienced. Ah, Brilliant. right. OK. Brilliant. Uh, I, I'm I'm amazed by that. Uh, I'd love to hear more about that. Is that on your is that on your blog? Is that anywhere on your website we can read about? I, I haven't yet, but I will get on that now that you've given me a to do, Andy. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And uh, when you've done it, if you can send me the link, and I'll be the first one to read it because uh, I, I think that's that's a great opportunity, and I, and I love the idea of it. I think that some of the mentoring that people can give, whatever level they are, to to a higher level, actually is is a great opportunity. Yeah, so yeah. A, lot, a lot of skills to be shared. Yeah, too true, too true. So talking about those skills to be shared, what's your lead, leadership legacy going to be then, Laurie? Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, big question. Um, there's what I hope it'll be, which is is honesty, and I, and I yep. hope integrity. Um, I, I, I do hope that. Um, I worry that my legacy may be to have been uh, too negative and maybe, you know, poke too many holes and have, have, have maybe not uh, been been as positive. But um, I hope that is my I hope that's what it is. I love it. Love it. What a great legacy really? that would be. Yeah. yeah. We might have to challenge yeah. each other, Ian, on one of these things and ask ourselves about the leadership legacy. So um, maybe we'll give ourselves a few weeks to think about it. I don't know. I'd have to really think. I'd have to really think about it. I, I had this. I had this. I've got this really odd question. I think sure. um, there's this, this come out of the book, and it's um, it's it's a kind of childlike question in a way, because it's it's because when you we often we hear about this and people talk about well they cut business they cut you know budgets on an L and D when when clearly we've got a reskilling piece going on, mm -hmm. and then they buy these catalogs. You know, with the as, to your point, mm -hmm. the all you can eat buffet. And here's the childlike question: I mean, is there a disconnect in the thought process in leadership between skills and learning? Absolutely, absolutely, there is. Um, there's a big myth. Probably the biggest myth that exists right now in the L and D industry is content consumed equals skill, and it doesn't. <laughs> Right. Well, of course yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> Do people believe no, that? But if you look at all these, you know, if you buy this LMS and the, plus this content library, people are going to consume, you know, 30 hours of this yeah. and your monthly average logins, uh, you know, will be, you know, 85 percent. So um, that, yeah. that's not doing anything. So where L&D and not just L&D, also the vendors and, and all is, is, is learning is hard work. 
and being able to create the actual experiences and the opportunity to apply and all the mm -hmm. good things you're talking about before, Ian, and to contextualize it and to reflect and to, to share it. Um, that's what is fundamentally missing in LMD. They're looking for a quick fix, and it sounds really yeah. good on but it, 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 it's very difficult to, to, to build. Um, you know, the, the best learning experience that I've seen is actually a client of ours. It's a nuclear power plant, and they actually have a replica of their nuclear reactor yeah. core. Yeah. And they bring people in, and they literally put them through meltdowns. Wow. <laughs> and wow. everything is the same, and it's all about, you know, muscle memory. But they yeah. do it yeah. pace. They, can't, they say you can't do three scenarios in a day. They, you know, pace them yeah. out. All that. yeah. That's learning. That's yeah, learning. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's neuroplasticity. It's all of the things you want to see. It's very hard to build, and and you know it's it's it'd be rudimentary to say here take this module on how a, a core reactor works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Oh, one of the best learning um, experiences I saw uh, it was actually at a school of pharmacy at a university, and they'd oh. basically built uh, a virtual pharmacy for the students to stand there wow. and reach out and take things and process things and hand them over. And mm -hmm. this thing would actually then at the end tell them if they'd got it right or wrong. And you know, it, it was, it was a virtual reality experience. And yeah. it was quite incredible as to how it worked. The, the, the engineer and the computer that went into it was second to none. And the experience of the students, when you actually spoke to them and you said, how's your course going? They could not have talked more highly about it because actually they were learning on cutting edge technology yeah. for their field. And you think hats off for the first time I can actually see learning technologists have actually had a really good hand in this. So yeah, it's, it's great. It's a great Brilliant. proper uh, practical learning experience, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Beautiful. Well, um, Laurie, we, we, we're really nearly at the end, okay. But um, as always, we, we always ask our guests to leave us with some resources yeah. for sure. ourselves and, and the listeners. So. What resources do you want to leave us with, please? So the resources actually um, are, it's a list of people to, to look at at LinkedIn. Some of them have their own books. Some of them Perfect. have their blogs. But these are people who I just admire, and I, I follow them absolutely regularly. So the first one is yep. uh, Bianca Bauman, and she has a website, biancabauman.com, and I'll sure. send all this to you. Oh, very uh, kind. She's, she's amazing. She's originally German. She uh, lives in Toronto, along with uh, same as I do. And she's written something called The Little Black Book of Marketing. Uh, it's a free download and Wonderful. could not recommend it more. It's got some absolutely fantastic tips and really has the, uh, her finger on the pulse of, of how to use um, marketing techniques and learning and that idea of the invisible, you know, push-pull and what that's yeah, like. Yeah. Um, Nigel Payne, uh, he's a uh, eminent uh, L&D researcher strategist um, out of uh, out of the UK, and uh, he he has a blog that I'll also I'll share with you. Fantastic, so you can get thank you. Notes. Nick Shackleton Jones, uh, he's uh, phenomenal. Um, he uh, writes a lot about you know making learning sticky and how people yep. actually learn, and uh, just just uh, amazing. And in partnership, uh, that that'll also be. Um, uh, Donald Taylor. He's the uh, chairman of the Learning and Performance Institute, and he has a fantastic book on on digital transformation that really is the how-to guide to just walk people wow. walk people through. Um, and it's 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 a uh, it's fantastic to read. Wow! Really? And and of course, I'm going to add onto that list for you your own blog, your own <laughs> website, and your own ebook. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to list all of those at the bottom of the show notes and encourage people. Please go and download Laurie's ebook. And um, all I'm going to say is that on the first page, it talks about an elephant. <laughs> yes. 
yes it does okay let's <laughs> let's leave that as a teaser for people okay because they really need to go and download it and read it properly and uh, and fully understand it but uh, i've thoroughly enjoyed reading that ebook over the last few days um so yeah so th thank you for sharing all of those we'll definitely post those Ian, any, anything else before we start to wrap up? No, just a big thank you. It's been thoroughly enjoyable to have you on the show, yeah. right? And, and great, great bit of learning hearing what oh, you want yeah. to say about the subject as well. So, so awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and, 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 and Laurie joined us with an incredibly high temperature up in Toronto <laughs> today. So thank you. <laughs> well, my, my thanks is all to you. This has been a really fun conversation. And I, I, I love having the conversation with Candor and uh, yeah. just really pleased to be, to be invited. You're doing a fantastic service. Oh, that's thank wonderful. You thank you very much, Laurie. Uh, Laurie, thank you for your time. Thank you for your contribution. We really look forward to uh, to sharing this with our listeners. Um, and, and it's great to have such amazing special guests as Laurie. We hope that everybody likes this. Um, please go and subscribe to uh, to get notified of all the future podcasts. But for now, we're going to wrap up there. So Laurie and Ian, thank you very much. Um, you've been listening to Leadership, the Future and Tea with our special guest, our very special guest, Laurie Niles Hoffman. Thank you very much. And uh, see you all soon on the next one. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.